Talk, the voice of Ratio Christi at Marshall University. My name's John Mays. I'm your host. I'm also the regional director for the states of Pennsylvania and West Virginia, along with being the chapter director at Marshall University. So in today's society, it seems that a lot of people think that morals, morality, how we act, how we know good from bad, uh, right from wrong, such thing as that, is up to the individual. And unfortunately, first of all, they can't live that type of belief consistently. And second of all, we really don't want to have that type of freedom. And prayerfully, I'll get through this today in a way that you understand that morality is objective. If not, those professing otherwise are called moral relativists, moral relativists, uh, like I said, it's it's unlivable position, but they claim that that's the way they want to live and that's the way they do live. So let me get through this the best I can, prayerfully to give you a better understanding of why morality is indeed objective and why moral relativism is the type world that we live in and hopefully give you even a an answer or a way to solve this situation or at least have a conversation about it to show others that you know (laughs) your statement itself that you are a moral relativist if someone comes to you and says i'm a moral relativist they're making an objective or absolute statement so it self-defeats beside the point morality is objectively true for everyone everywhere It follows that morality is prescriptive. It's what we ought to do. It's prescriptive, not merely descriptive of right and what is wrong. It's an obligation to which every person is accountable. Unfortunately, as I said, many people in our culture don't seem to like that idea. Though Intolerance is similar to what, or not similar, it's the word they want to use when describing their behavior, that Christians are being intolerant of their feelings or their needs or their wants or their actions or whatever. We'll give you a quick another quick definition of objective versus subjective. And the reason I do this, it's not because I think people are slow or talking down to anyone, but I did have someone ask me what objective meant, or they told me they had to go home and look up the word objective. So don't feel bad. I had to look it up probably the first time as well, but 
objective, objectively true, regardless of opinion or belief. If something is true, if it's objectively true, it's true regardless of your opinion or your belief. People believe a lot of things that aren't true. <laughs> so subjective is just the, it's just your opinion. That's how simple that is. It's a whole lot more in-depth, I promise you. However, comma, meaning are right and wrong, our morals, objective realities on all people at all times, in all places, or are they up to the individual person or culture? If morality is based on a person or culture, it leads to what I just mentioned, moral relativism. Societies and individuals decide what is right and wrong from culture to culture or person to person. You should already be able to see how this is not a good thing, but that's where our society and culture are headed. In fact, that's what most people, it seems, maybe not most, a lot, many individuals in the United States and otherwise believe that this is the way we ought to live. So, real quick, uh, there's three types of relativism. One of them is cultural, like I said, differs from culture to culture, different values. Cultures have different values, like in India, they don't eat cows because they think it may be grandma. I'm not trying to be funny, although some people find that example, that example funny. And in the United States, we don't eat grandma. The moral, the ethic, the value stated there is the same. It's just a different culture. So there's your example of cultural uh, <laughs> reality. If they're making the rules on, based on culture, and conventionalism is the society decides what is right and wrong. Uh, cultural says there's no right and wrong, while conventional says there is, but it varies. Majority rules and morals simply become what is legal. So think about that. Think about in Germany that uh, when Hitler, the Holocaust, you think about an example of a hot topic is abortion, that it's not legal in Mexico, but it's legal in the United States, different things like that. And there's where you're headed, gay marriage. I want to talk a little bit about that. And this is why it's important to the church. We need to be able to have this conversation concerning objective morality <laughs> and i'm not sure why we don't have that conversation well i am but that's beside the point anyway the third type of relativism and that's what i'm going to spend the most time on is called subjectivism uh, or moral relativism whichever moral subjectivism it's one of many places the saying for, is true for you but not for me Basically, someone would tell you to judge not is more likely than true for you than not for me. And when they tell you that, again, all you have to do is say, why are you judging me? You're telling me not to judge you, but you're making a judgment towards me. And it self-defeats. They probably don't understand, thus, the conversation and why should we should be able to have it as a church. Um, moving right along. Other than the ums, man, I promise I'm really trying to work on that. So why is it so important that the church, uh, basically, our question is, morality, is morality subjective 
an opinion, or, as with truth, objective, absolute fact. Herein lies part of the problem. And why is this part of the problem? Because so, it, so many people in a church don't seem to really care. And I don't understand that. Uh, I've been through it numerous times. I'm not going to beat that horse to death. But one of the things that people tell me, well, they believe in Jesus. And I, I ask them, which Jesus? I think more people should ask that type of question. Uh, it's not obvious as you think. Or it seems to be that the church thinks as a whole. They just think, well, we believe in Jesus and life is good and we're saved. And that's not the way it is. And that goes back to my talk on <laughs> the church. They, they, uh, they don't care. Sorry. Most often, the church appears to be afraid. How's that? To address such topics head on. Uh, instead of standing up and stating right from wrong, we're teaching an emotional feel-good theology, and that breaks my heart. We're trying to help people be better people instead of teaching them the basic foundations of truth, morality, where the Bible came from, the resurrection, why it's true, why we believe in God. I mean, you should have that conversation. You'd be surprised at the people that don't know which God or that there's evidence for the God of Christianity. Instead, we're giving them nice little church sayings. People don't know, do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Whatever. That's that's a what I've referred to or been referred to as a pastorism. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to answer the question. That that statement doesn't answer the question. Gay marriage. A marriage is objective, and this this is very simple. Uh, I would think anyway. It's very simple. Do we just let people go out and change definitions of word? It would appear that we do. I mean, marriage is between a man and a woman. Always has been. Always should be. Always will be. Uh, <laughs> but society tells us that marriage can be with whomever you want to marry because of love. And we shouldn't be so intolerant that we shouldn't infringe on their feelings and such things as that. <laughs> we cannot live moral relativism consistently it can't happen it just doesn't happen it self-defeats but we sit back and we allow it to happen because we don't know how to have the conversation another example abortion whether you're pro-choice or pro-life it's not that's not the argument and we need to understand that as the church so we can again talk to somebody when we're talking about abortions, they say, well, it's their choice if, as long as it doesn't affect me. No, it does affect you, and it does affect your walk as being a Christ follower. Both sides, pro-choice, pro-life, know that murder is wrong. The question is, or the discussion, argument, whatever you want to put on that, is when the fetus becomes a human. Science says that at conception it's a person, so... The argument has become, when does it become a human? A more or a stronger example, torturing babies for fun is wrong. If somebody tells you torturing babies for fun is wrong, then they need to seek help. But you need to find out why they can say such a thing. Because if they believe in moral relativism or that morality is up to the individual culture or whatever, then they have to walk by a rape 
in progress. They have to disregard trespassing, stealing, any type of morality. If they say no to any of these, it self-defeats. But that's what they try to say. I had a guy, I mentioned him before, came to our Ratio Christi class at Marshall, and <laughs> he professed secular Buddhism, whatever that may be. It's a form of atheism. Um, but we asked him why he was late, and he said his bicycle got stolen, was stolen. And I said, man, don't you wish you could say that was wrong? And he just kind of looked at me. I said, well, you you say that you believe that morality is relative, that I'm intolerant, or however you want to phrase it. So in that case, your bike was stolen. I can say that's wrong. People shouldn't do that. You, on the other hand, that believe it's relative, cannot. Sorry, just a quick example. <laughs> in, uh, anyway, let me move on to morals are not opinions. This is one of the reasons this, the argument is so strong for God, uh, and this goes back to why the church should be able to have this type of conversation. Morals aren't opinions, people, and we need to understand why, that, and that it's one of the strongest arguments for God. But I'll tell you in a minute when we get to the uh, examples of some of the objections to this, to this argument or discussion. Many will say that they only believe in science, okay? Now stop right there. If they say, I only believe in science or what science can prove, science can't prove that sentence. So that's, <laughs> that argument stops as soon as they say that. Move on. Morals cannot be measured by science. Science investigates the physical world. It collects facts and draws conclusion. A loose definition of a scientific theory is a repeatable, observable event. So anytime they want to say, they being those who profess intolerance, moral relativism, subjectivism, whatever label you want to put on it, that they, anyway, <laughs> that they believe in science is, it self-defeats. It, they, I don't know how else to put it. It doesn't make sense. They lose the battle before they get to the war. How's that? They can't see the forest for the trees. I don't know how many ways I can share this with you, and hopefully that you understand it and understand the importance of being able to have this type of conversation. It's vital to Christianity. So where do morals come from? Well, moral knowledge comes from intuition. It's self-evident, as with the torturing baby example. Somebody tells you that torturing babies for fun is okay, needs help. But morality consists of prescriptions for behavior. I talked about prescriptions in the beginning, not descriptions of the world. Morality is a command, not a suggestion. Do this and don't do that, or do not do that. Not, it would be nice if you did this or didn't do that. You see the difference of what I'm trying to say here? I hope so. Morality is... Right and wrong exist regardless of what you believe. Morality is authoritative. We're obliged to obey it. Morality is ought to, not should. Morals come from a transcendent person that has power and authority to impose them. We call him God. 
So why do you think when we do something we know is wrong, we feel guilty? Have you ever thought about that? Most people, if they do something or they, they do something wrong, easy example, if you're speeding and you get caught or if you're speeding and you don't get caught, in your heart you still know it's wrong. You're breaking the speed limit. And that's basic. Without God, guilt is a passing state of mind. That's not all of it, obviously, but that's the gist of it. We know right from wrong. As with truth, uh, being objective, we know right from wrong and right, everything is equal, else is an opinion. Do you? I hope you understand that. This is so important, and, and one of my favorite, I hate to say favorite because it's such a vital, important topic, but it is one of my favorite topics to share with others, and I make it as simplistic as I can possibly make it. Obviously, it goes a whole lot deeper than what I'm giving to you because others, or those who do think about things like this, they know where they stand and why they stand there. They know what they believe and why they believe it. And it seems like the majority of people that I run into don't really care. They've never really thought about it. Let me give you some common objections. If you actually have this conversation with someone, uh, these are from popular atheists, and you may think that they're silly or they don't make sense, but it's what people believe and it's what they do. One of the first objections you're going to get is only good because of God, or we don't need God to be good. And there's different ways that you're going to hear that. An atheist can do anything a Christian, name something an atheist can't do that a Christian can do. That's the same type situation. Or I had a biology professor at Marshall ask me once, is God the only right thing that kept me from hurting him because we were having this conversation? So how do you answer that? Seriously, is, is God the only thing that's keeping you from hurting someone, or do we need God to be good? Well, <laughs> you need to know what good is. What is the standard of good? How did you arrive at something is good versus bad? That's how you answer that question. Ask them a question, but talk to them. What is their standard? Sure, they can be good. Depending, they don't have a standard for what good is. It's based on whatever they deem to be good. What is good? See? Exactly. Or take their wallet. You'll find out real quick that they don't agree with what good and bad are when you, if you do something like that. Get in front of them in line. Anything, just do something minor. I mean, whatever. <laughs> they change. Uh as soon as you do something or they understand, if you can see the light bulb go off above their head, and that's an illustration, when they, when someone's telling you that we have to have God because we don't want to be punished, we have to have God because it keeps us from doing good and bad, that's a basic popular objection. Find out what they base good on. Progress they use as a good thing although we don't know what a good thing is, but progress implies direction. What are we progressing to? And I've had this conversation with a group at a local church. They wanted to say, look how far we've came. Well, they're basing that progress on what society thinks, not on what is actually good because 
we don't know without a standard. So we've progressed. We have uh, the Internet. We've progressed. Or look at the phones we have now. We've progressed. Look at the medical uh, oh, drug blank prescriptions of the medical advancement, how we can handle diseases and such things. Okay, what makes any of that good? What are you basing any of that on? See, without God, you have no standard. You can't say that progression is a good thing because you don't know what a good thing is. The Herein lies why God is so important, and this is such a strong argument. Science. <laughs> One guy states that science can now measure our happiness. And why does that matter? Because to most people, happiness is the goal. Happiness is labeled as good. You make money, you have a wife, you have a home, you have kids, you are successful, and that is good. Okay, compared to what? <laughs> so you're happy, okay? That may not make me happy. That may not make a lot of people happy just because they have a good job and a good wife and they make lots of money. That's not my goal in life of happiness. So why do you think that that's a good thing? That's your opinion. Again, basic, and these are coming from intelligent people uh, that are atheists. These are the top objections. And they're, in reality, <laughs> they're basic objections to the argument that most people don't think about. And we have to. We have to as a church. Evolution. Our children are being taught evolution from grade school to college. I don't know actually where it starts. My children haven't came home and stated exactly that we're studying evolution today, Dad. But evolution is what's taught in our school. So, okay, random processes is what evolution actually is. It's a random process. And if that's the case, how can you believe what you even say? I know, that's hard to consider. How do you know that what you're saying is true if it's just a random process? There has, there's no foundation. We came from animals. We're considered an animal. So <laughs> we're all equal. Does, how, does that make sense? I'm, I'm trying to throw in as many examples as I can just off the top of my head. But evolution says, ultimately, that human are humans, animals, we're all animals. None of us are any more value than the other, if that's true. You can't say that, well, survival of the fittest. How's that? And again, those are loose and easy off the top of my head examples. But if survival of the fittest, which is evolution, or what is better for the majority of people, what is good for the most people? Well, I don't know. It's random. But I know if it's survival of the fittest, that why should I let you eat or feed you? Because you may get become more fit than I, and when it comes down to the choice, you're taking me out. Sorry. Basic, but prayerfully you get the point on why this is so important. So, this being an argument for God, um, it points to God. Because there has to be a standard. C.S. Lewis said, how do you know a stick is crooked if you haven't seen a straight one? How do you know? That's what C.S. Lewis said. How do you know something is good? What are you comparing it to? Here's a fancy way, is what I put in my notes anyway, of using this argument. Uh, <laughs> if God does not exist, 
objective morals, moral values, and duties do not exist. Okay? If God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. Well, we know that objective morals and values do exist. Therefore, God exists. Values are what's good or bad. Duties are what's right or wrong. Here's a, another basic example. Good, a good and bad has to do with something worthwhile. Right and wrong have to do with obligation. People will say it's good to become a doctor, a lawyer, or something, as I was describing, but it has no moral obligation to be whatever that standard of good lawyer, doctor is. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. Um, the tragic truth for the moral relativist is, when, is this. It's when you hold God's funeral and bury him. A lot of people want to say God is dead. His moral law, along with him, uh, something will take his place. And that's where our society is headed. Something is taking God's place. That something will be an individual or group of individuals who take power and, in an authoritarian fashion, impose their own moral framework on everyone else. People, this is happening all around us. The world has already seen it happen in the past in the regimes of Stalin and Pol Pot. Think about it. That's where we're headed, and that's what we're getting because we aren't talking to anybody. We being the church. Sounds rough. This is one of those presentations. I did this Saturday. Uh, I was supposed to do this exact presentation and it, it seemed really rough for me to get through. And it feels like I struggled on this one. Hopefully I didn't. Uh, prayerfully you got something out of it and at least understand the importance of what we base morality on. And if you have questions or comments, uh, please email me at johnmays at ratiochristi.org. Or if you'd like to join our financial support team, you can do that by going to johnmays.ratiochristi.org. And until next time, uh, you've probably been thunderstruck.